Welcome to Progression. I'm Jane Shin. This is a podcast centered on mental health, personal development, and spirituality through conversations with artists and through my own self-reflections as a woman navigating the music industry. On today's episode, I chat with April George and Matt Vista of the DC-based duo April and Vista. We talk about how they create genre-defying music that takes listeners through the different emotions of overcoming something in life, best exemplified through their latest incredible EP, You Are Here. Plus, thoughts on how they manage anxiety, tips on lucid dreaming, and more. Welcome, April and Vista. Yay! Thank you for having us! Yeah, thank you for having us. This is Progression, the podcast, and I wanted to start with y'all introducing yourselves. Okay. April, you want to go first? Yeah, so I'm April George, and uh, this is Matt Vista. We are in a genre-defying duo based out of D.C., and we like to make music and stuff. So April's a uh, singer, <laughs> <laughs> violinist, keyboardist, songwriter, and producer and bassist. Nice. And from my understanding, you both met... After you graduated from the same school. Yeah. So the fact that you both have reconverged and established a connection to be in this project together, this duo called April and Vista, somehow through life's terms, like, you know, you both have been on different paths prior to meeting and then finally being able to like connect right away and then form the duo. What do y'all attribute that to? Fate. Yeah. Pure fate. <laughs> I think it was always supposed to happen. Everything that we had done prior to us meeting was pretty much in preparation for what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super cool. And you guys mentioned that you are genre defying. Can you explain what that means to you in the context of both a personal development standpoint and then also both of you being Black artists from the DMV? Mm-hmm. I would say like we grew up listening to so many different genres and and types of music and are excited by, you know, what you wouldn't even think two young black kids from the suburbs would be listening to really like, I guess genre defying for me at least just means we don't necessarily view music as something that you can put into a box. You can find inspiration in absolutely anything. And we like to, you know, that keeps us excited and and motivated to continue to try and like break stereotypes and break barriers barriers. and, you know, there, there are no limits to this. So we don't really like to define what we're making. We would just rather let the music speak for itself. Yeah. So creatively, I feel like we would, probably do ourselves an injustice by, by working with those boxes in mind because we, we've got such wide like ranging influences and we take from so much stuff you know if we were to like try to whittle down and say let's make an R&B song let's make a whatever song we'd probably be like you know suppressing our true creativity so um, we still just kind of like make what we want and more so with every project we tend to care less about whether people understand what we're making as long as we like it. But we are like really conscious about 
having to compete in this industry because though we are artists, we are also trying to make a living out of it. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, I feel like what has gotten us really far is carrying ourselves professionally and taking ourselves as seriously as a major label pop artist and, you know, really studying the moves who are successful in the industry. Mm -hmm. You know, maintaining that balance of, uh, you know, business savvy along with our own like creative independence or individuality, I think has helped us. And it's, we're in like a crazy era of music right now where it's never really been before. And like on one hand, you could think of it like, dang, like the barrier to entry is so low that like anyone can make music at anywhere, anytime. And that can kind of sound overwhelming. And I have like very recently started thinking of it like this is an exciting time because yes you're kind of like getting put against other artists who may have way more resources and help than you do but it's kind of like pushing us to be just like you said savvy and and knowing how to do the business in and knowing how to do like everything social media management we handle that ourselves like we do all the stuff that a lot of other people may just have teams for um, and so like we learn every bit of the business and every like everything that has to do with being an artist, being a musician, we learn it all. So I find it quite exciting to do everything that we can. For me, listening to you both over time and like getting to know you in especially this last year, I really love that your music is always about overcoming something and there's always emotions in the journey, right? whatever journey Mm -hmm. someone is on. And I especially love that you cover both the light and the dark sides of whatever journey someone is on and trusting the process. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about why that's the theme, the overall feelings you both tend to create from and what outlets did you have to grow up to express these things? Mm. Well, in the context of you are here specifically, we were going through like a transition creatively with our sound, also just in our personal lives. And we have to balance a serious music career with a nine to five desk job, both of us. So it can kind of feel like a lot of our themes are about like overcoming something or getting to another place because we're really on a journey right now and that's just what is encompassing our world. And so like on one hand, we want to get everything that we're experiencing out and this is like, you know, cathartic for us to release. But also like we definitely keep in mind that other people who are listening to this may not be on the same journey, but the human aspect of experience is is all the same. Um, And so we try to like keep it relatable while also letting go. In my own life, I always looked to music as a form of like release, even when I was in orchestra class or, you know, just playing on piano at home. Like that's the thing that I look forward to do every day to like just get whatever stress I had out, um, whatever things were happening in my life. So like I don't think those themes will ever like completely disappear. They'll they'll mature with me, but they'll never go away because it's always been a part of uh, how I release yeah, I'm growing up. I uh, I've never really uh, really thought about like the journey or really vocalized it. I've always been the kind of like I just kind of keep my head down and just trudge forward. Then you know eventually I'll hit you know sunlight. On you are here. That was really kind of just a like acknowledgement of of that journey and like me coming to terms with like you know some of these points are really hard and you know this really hurts sometimes. But I'm gonna get through it. I I didn't really think about it too much until you are here. One thing that I find um, 
really cool is that the themes that we take with all of our projects, you know, this theme of like overcoming something is that though it's like really unique, I don't really hear a lot of artists discussing it in depth like us, but it's so relatable. Everyone can feel what we're talking about. I remember talking to somebody who we let listen to You Are Here and they were like, they didn't get it at first. And they were like, well, with a lot of like pop and R&B, you know, they all talk about love. Because that's one thing that everybody gets. You can level with everybody on the concept of love. But one thing that's overlooked is pain and trials and tribulations. And I guess that's one thing we kind of like tap into naturally. It wasn't intentional that we started talking about this, but we all we found each other on the same part of our journey. And we just started going forward at that, you know, parallel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whenever I listen to You Are Here, it's suddenly like everything in the present just feels like extra elevated when I'm driving. It's like, (laughs) for some reason, it's just the perfect soundtrack for like any moment I'm listening to it. Like everything just feels more heightened. So I I really feel, yeah, the different emotions uh, that you both covered. And on that point, Matt, about how often when you listen to pop music, R&B music, yeah, love is often the big theme, but you both cover pain Mm -hmm. in a very beautiful, like creative way. And I had many favorite lyrics within the project of You Are Here, obviously. (laughs) But one of my favorite lines that stood out was in the song Resilience. And you said, Mm -hmm. resilience is a dangerous thing. It can turn you to a fossil, throw you in a jungle, leave you feeling hostile. And I love that you share this underside of resilience. So can you both talk about what you were trying to communicate with that and in what context you're writing those words from? Whew. So at that time, I was actually trying, that bit was supposed to be a part of FOMO. Yeah. Uh, and I actually ended up taking it out and making it a interlude. One, because it didn't fit there. But two, because we realized this is like a little bridge there in the storyline. And like at the time... I was going through transitions in my like friendships and also dealing with some crazy stuff going on at home. And I was trying to grapple with continually having to deal with hearing bad news all the time. And like, you know, when you are going through a hard time, everyone wants to tell you, you're, you're so strong, like you'll, you'll bounce back. It's going to be okay. And I was sick of hearing those words. And it was like, we are taught You know, as young kids, when you learn about your virtues, that resilience is something to be celebrated and it's something that you want to exude all the time. But they never really explain to you that in order to be resilient, you have to deal with hardship. And like, I wanted to put that little piece in there and and make it an interlude to like highlight that, yes, it is good to be resilient because and, and to persevere through hardship. But just remember that you will have to go through hardship first <laughs> in order to be resilient in order to jump back on your feet you have to fall first yeah the word resilience you're right people use it sort of as a positive thing like yeah you're so resilient and so strong but mm-hmm. there's like after effects of whatever trauma or difficult situation you've been through right. it's the word fossil especially like damn <laughs> yeah that, it can mm. it can harden you the reason why it goes before for show is because Fasho is talking about one of the friendships that went sour in my life and, and also just in a more abstract way, like all the things that were going sour. And it's like me speaking as like an OG to myself, warning me of those things um, to try not to harden yourself 
to get away from that and to just be on the lookout. The order meant a lot to me because I wanted the listener to think about resilience, to think about how deep in a hole it could push you if you were to wade in your hardship. And then the next song was teaching you how to like buck up and you about to go for a crazy ride. So be careful and keep your eyes open so you don't fall through that trap. Yeah, that's why show feels like a personal anthem in a way. I do love that transition from resilience <laughs> to Fasho. It's so perfect. It's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk about the songwriting process for that song? Uh, because one of my favorite lines, foster the ego, fuel to the flame. Like any chance a song uh, illuminates anything about the ego, I just grasp on because, you know, I'm, we're always... We're, Right. We're always battling our egos and like Mm -hmm. trying to suss out whether is this coming from like my true self or my higher self or is this coming from an ego place? So can you Mm -hmm. talk about how you both have processed the word ego or like why you put that into the song? Mm. Didn't you write that, Matt? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd like to plug it in. That was Matt's words. (laughs) (laughs) When we when we wrote that song, it started off, you know, just like mumbling. We kind of just thought of the flow first, mm-hmm. and then April started to puzzle in the lyrics. Very aggressive lyrics. <laughs> Very angry lyrics. <laughs> yeah, and in that point, I guess, like in the middle of April, trying to paint this portrait, it just faded. It was just—it's like a, a universal truth. Foster the ego, fuel to the flame. Like you, you, you continue to like stroke someone's ego or stroke your own ego. You're only like you know blowing your head up to the point till it, it explodes. Mm-hmm. Um, you blind yourself, and you blind yourself. You know, yeah. you, you 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 no longer listen to anyone's opinion unless it's positive, because you know your 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 ego is so fragile. It won't, you know, mm-hmm. you'll never like take true criticism, and therefore you'll never grow yeah. or like find real connections with people because you're always right or you're always brilliant. Yeah, in the storyline, there I'm or the OG, not me. <laughs> the spirit of the OG is explaining, you know, this archetype of person that everyone has met. Everyone has met this one person who is just so full of themselves and is only trying to talk to you whenever you're doing something amazing to them, seemingly. And like they're always like like I like to say sitting on the sidelines, like they always trying to like be around whenever you are about to cross whatever finish line you've been trying to get to. like that song is supposed to like illuminate that archetype and warn you about that person and and tell you to not let that affect your grind and affect your journey because you have way more you know in store than to have to deal with that person at least I was me telling myself that anyway yeah that's why I do love how like there is a strength to it that it does feel like an anthem nice yeah. thank you <laughs> That's yeah. what we were trying to do. We were like, man, we're trying to get this point across. Like, I initially spent too much time making it a diss track because I wanted to be a rapper <laughs> for a moment. Yeah, we had to dial it we back. We had to dial it back. And then it became like a teachable moment, which is great. The second half of that 
would have been way more savage than it was had I not stopped and <laughs> like it starts off with niggas don't call you they man still need him but after that everyone would be like fuck these other <laughs> and then I was like okay let's make it a little more can't, vague can't let's, <laughs> let's dial it back just a little bit we still had a market explicit so that's kind of lit yeah that's cool yeah that is cool <laughs> yeah so when you think about what you are here culminates as how does it compare to the period you both have called the stress wave period before this mm-hmm. what were you both going through that in that time frame when you're creating music was this the note to self era yes yeah i like i like recalling the, the stress wave period it's like the blue, it. the blue period yes the blue period it really was the blue gray period <laughs> we were working our nine five jobs and trying to create another ep and we were chasing this ep we were chasing note to self because we were performing a lot and then realized, oh, snap, like we really need to make like new music. And we've waited for a long time after our first Project Lanterns. So we were like really hell bent. Like we always want to make something awesome. But we were burning ourselves out trying to deal with these uh, jobs that we were working at the time, which are like very high stress situations and then having to come home and then have an even more high stress situation trying to like crank out the songs and we were also changing up our writing process and doing this thing called song blitz where we would write 10 songs in one sitting and then try to figure out like which one we can move forward with like that's the reason why the project was only four songs is because we were just over it by the time (laughs) by the time we were finished we were like i don't want to do this anymore like that's it four songs we're done yeah Yeah, it's only it was only four songs because we were just burned out. Not because of you know we were burned out on music necessarily, but burned out at our jobs. Mm-hmm. Every day after work, we like go to happy hour and <laughs> eat. There's this happy hour place called Barbecue. We would just Gone eat now. happy hour ribs and, <laughs> and just salt and mope. But it was like you have to remember, like not so we can sound like little crybabies. Like we were like this is before um, we had management help. I think. Yeah, this this so, before our manager came, yes, came to the picture. So we had to do everything and we still have like our, our hands, we get our hands dirty in everything that we do. But at the time we were doing the graphic design, making the website, booking all the shows, getting ourselves to the shows, making sure that we advance the shows ourselves. We were everything that, that and, and we like to take ourselves seriously. So we tried to do everything the, by the book the way you would do it if you had a manager. And that was very intense on top of having to also be present and keep the jobs that we had. So how was the intentions that you had at the time different compared to now? Like, were you in a more rushed state or like what was sort of the the differences of how you ended up creating and then outputting it? Uh, I think we were still, I guess, trying to find our voice. We, we just weren't as mature as we are creatively and on you are here the songs kind of like jump around from daggers which is like you know this really like energetic frenetic more experimental song to the definitely r&b voices to like acoustic touch i think we were really just trying to still trying to figure it out and for some reason we like we put pressure on ourselves as if lanterns was the one i know it was the classic that people wanted people needed more of we were like yo if Light Escape has 20,000 plays, man, <laughs> we got to top that. How are we going to top this? How are we going to top this? We got to make some tight. Yeah, it's looking looking back, it was it was so dumb because we weren't anywhere and we still aren't. But <laughs> for sure, back then, we thought we were like, there are way more people looking at us. Oh, man. But it's good to move like that because you like, 
you hold yourself to a high standard. But mm-hmm. we definitely, I wouldn't say that it was rushed. Like, we weren't, like, rushing the music. But we definitely were, like, dealing with a lot of growing pains and trying to figure out what our sound was. And even, like, if you were to go back and listen to it, you could see that where it was starting to bloom and blossom. Yeah. And with You Are Here, we finally, like, have figured out, at least gotten our footing. Like, okay, I see. This is our um, initial identity. We're Now all we have to do now is mature from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then on top of that, April, you were also handling a lot of like songwriting and like vocal string arrangements for other artists, mm-hmm. people like Goldlink and things like that. So what did that time frame teach you, especially about putting your needs first as far as mm-hmm. like focusing on April and Vista fully or just like your own individual needs? Mm-hmm. It was cool because like with Goldlink and that whole team, and I also collaborate with a lot of my friends from around the DC area and like I would go so many places with them and um they were all much further than we were at the time like in our music trajectory so I was able to learn like what a true studio was like or what it was like to go to a festival or how people handle their relationships with their managers and what should you look for what should you not look for like so it was like a complete training ground in that moment, like I, I realized, okay, so I'm helping you get to your place where you're supposed to be. And I'm going to use this time to learn as much as I can and bring that back to what we do and pick apart the pieces that are applicable to AMV. Because though I like to help people, like this is the project that I really am invested in and, and want to continue to grow as. So I thought of it like a training ground with friends, which was a plus. <laughs> so I got to like, Just take a lot of notes. Yeah. And it also feels like a good reminder of maintaining your boundaries and knowing your needs. And then, you know, if it gets crossed, then just protecting and honoring that. And I think it's, yeah, it's cool that you've been through that journey and with Matt through it to obviously put out your here as the last project. And then now we're in 2019. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, it's wild to think, especially how you both have hit so many amazing milestones with you are here. You've toured with Little Dragon You've appeared on BBC One. You've been on multiple playlists. You've gone abroad for the first time in Europe. You've performed on Colors. So reaching all of these milestones so far, and obviously you both are going to reach so many more. What does that feel like in terms of confidence building and just further trusting the journey? Man, it's it's like a tug of war battle for me. There are moments where I'm feeling like, hell yeah, we're doing it. I can't, I can't believe we're here. And especially like days where like I go back and look like Facebook always likes to dredge up pictures from like years ago. Thanks, Facebook. <laughs> but like I'll get like pictures of like um, our old flyers and like when we first put out lanterns. And I was like, oh man, like look how far we've come and how far we've grown. And then sometimes like you can't help but see like other artists and other musicians who are further than you because they started before you did. And you're thinking oh man, I still have so much work to do. I got to hurry up and get it, start writing more. And I have to, to stay on my path and stay on it. Um, so it's like a constant battle. There's never like a stable moment where I'm like super complacent. Like I'm either feeling like I need to hurry up and work or feeling very like nostalgic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really don't think about it at all. I just... I'm always like in a, you know, in a state of what we need to do next. 
you know, no matter where we are, we'll always be thinking about what we need to do next. Sometimes I, I, I stop and, and look back and think to myself, Dad, yeah, we really did that. But for the most part, I'm always just trying to figure out how to get to the next point. Yeah, I can relate to that. For me, I, I'm an anxious person, so I mm-hmm. try not to Same. either be stuck in the past or be like too much into the future. So I guess through all the things you guys have been through so far in your life, then and obviously because you're artists, that's doubly challenging because music moves so fast and you're mm-hmm. trying to keep up. How do you then manage that those anxious feelings when you're like, you know, you're obviously trying to progress and move forward, mm-hmm. but how do you stay present? Mm. So I struggle with anxiety and that's just something that like that that's why I answered last question with like the whole tug of war thing because I really do have like this like seesaw teetering reaction to things and a lot of times like we'll make a big milestone and for a moment like I'll feel like super excited about it but it serves as a reminder that I still have way more work to do and that can sometimes be very overwhelming. I really do like try to stay grounded and like I have to do much better with it to be quite honest like that's my new year's resolution of this year is to like practice mindfulness more rigorously because I fall off a lot um, because I just get consumed by the anxious thoughts and I can't snap back as much as I want to but you know like my, my younger sister studies psychology so she teaches me like grounding exercises on how to like stay present and not be overcome by anxious thoughts and so that's just something that I'm trying to explore more little things but like stopping like even when I'm like at work like I do work stuff and music stuff at the same time even though I'm not supposed to don't fire me (laughs) so (laughs) sometimes I literally have to step away go for a walk outside or do something step away from all of that so that I'm able to like remember like where I am and remember where where we are in this journey of music, not to get feel so overwhelmed, especially when I'm doing like so much at the same time. Yeah. And since I don't think about it ever, you know, I guess it doesn't give me like much time to like really cope with, you know, a lot of like some of the tough times or hardships. Cause I kind of just like bury it and, you know, I gotta work. But sometimes, like just before I go to sleep or I'll wake up in the middle of the night or as soon as I wake up in the morning. It'll just like hit me like, yo, what am I doing with my life? (laughs) Whoa, where am I? Oh my gosh, this is not gonna work. (laughs) So that yeah, so that I'll I'll like have like a borderline panic attack for like a couple of minutes and like, all right, look, I'm already here. There's no escape. Here we go. (laughs) And then you really is that why you do lucid dreams after that? I know, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's the only time that like, it ever really hits me, just like boils over. But then I just snap back to, mm-hmm. like, we, let's get to work right? and just keep moving. That's awesome. It's only at one point in the day. Yeah. My joint, I'm like always aware, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. all the time, like, oh, shoot, we got to keep going. Okay, with the next thing, like every, by the time we announce something, we're already thinking like what we're trying to do five months from then mm-hmm. to keep the momentum going like yeah I told it can be a lot I know I can relate I'm always like ah <laughs> I gotta do this I gotta do that so, you know just like constantly feeling this need to move but I'm learning to like slow down and mm-hmm. just have a moment of pause because mm-hmm. then you just burn yourself out and 
Yep. That doesn't help with your productivity moving forward, but. Or your skin. Or your skin. I, I saw your tweet, April. Not tight. It's so true. <laughs> it's so wild how if you have like toxic thoughts or toxic people in your life, it yep. comes out through the skin. The skin is sure the biggest organ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just think of every toxic thought or person as a pimple. <laughs> That's I bet you get rid of them real fast. <laughs> so true. <laughs> as far as like spirituality goes, do you have roots in spirituality or what does your spiritual life look like if you have a practice? Mm, that's something that like I've been wanting to get reconnected to or closer to because I did grow up in church when I was younger and that's where I was exposed to music. All of my family members are like gospel musicians or came from those roots. So like my spiritual side of myself is an important side of me and it's something that will never go away. But I have, I feel like the older I get and the more I'm finding myself, like I learned that I kind of like drifted away from that. So like that's another thing that I wanted to work on this year is to reconnect myself to that because I noticed that the further I strayed away from God or away from, you know, my spiritual beliefs, the more chaos poured into my life. It fueled some awesome songs, but that's a tormenting phase for me to have so much chaos as somebody who's really anxious. So I would like to reconnect with that and find my Zen again. Yeah, I'm I'm moderately spiritual. I didn't like grow up in, in church or anything or really had any like motivation to think on that plane for a long time. I didn't really start to think about it really until like a friend passed away a few years ago. And at that point, I really became like aware of my own mortality. So from then on, I began to really find meaning in things. Mm. I'm like really huge on dreams. I Mm -hmm. study dreams. I lucid dream a lot. So I really look in my dreams for messages. And uh, going back to the whole like concept of fate, I really rely on that to keep me pushing forward. Like, I believe fate is real, so I shouldn't have anything to worry about. If I made a mistake in the past, I shouldn't regret it because it was supposed to happen and it'll make sense later. More or less, that's like where I am with, you know, my own spirituality. It kind of keeps me afloat. Mm -hmm. Same. And like a lot of the lyrics, especially for You Are Here, came from that sentiment. I remember like the few times I did go to church. (laughs) I always bring like my notebook with me and wrote down notes. And a lot of those lyrics came from those very notes. Yeah, that's super powerful. (laughs) I'm someone who grew up in the church too, grew up Catholic. And Mm -hmm. they always talk about Catholic guilt. And it's definitely a real thing. Like I always grew up feeling like, oh, if I don't do this or do that, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get in trouble. I have like judgment, you know, from God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now that I'm an adult and I get to redefine my spirituality and design my own spiritual life. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's something it's really liberating to like get back in touch with that. So I totally feel you, April. And Matt, I am a huge person on dreams, too. Are there any that keep recurring for you or any themes that you have in your dreams that keep coming back? Yeah. Okay. so there's (laughs) I'm, I'm constantly dreaming that I'm back in college, right? So the the crazy thing about this dream is that I'm in the middle of spring semester and I realized that I wasn't going to English the entire year and I didn't know I even had the class. <laughs> so it's like a huge stress dream, right? But recently, now that I'm like full on adult and there's no escaping it, 
I'm having this dream that I'm back in college and I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you. I was in school this whole time. I don't have to worry about anything. I'm back in college. <laughs> I don't even got bills. I don't have bills. This is amazing. <laughs> then I wake up and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> but yeah, like I was saying, I, I do like, I lucid dream a lot. And I remember a couple of years ago, I had this one dream that I always return. I always think about it. I don't like mm-hmm. have that dream again. But it stuck with me so much. This is why I, I look for so many messages in my dreams. It's my favorite one. So check this out. For, beforehand, I was like on Google, like looking at like, you know, what to do in lucid dreams. Like someone's like, you should ask people what they stand for. So I'm walking to my house and then in the dream, this old man is standing at my mailbox and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to ask him what he represents. As I'm walking towards him, he starts throwing things at me, throwing like bricks and rocks and all that stuff at me, but I'm still like walking towards him. I get close enough to talk to him. And before I could even say anything, he says, there comes a point in time where you're going to have to draw a line in the sand between you and them. At that point, you know where you stand and you know where they stand. And then he didn't say anything else to me. Then I woke up. But that was a really profound dream for me because that was the first time that anyone had actually like said something to me in one of my lucid dreams that wasn't like from my own mind. It was, I felt like it was uh, you know, pretty divine. And I've always, I've always returned to that piece of advice that I got in my dream whenever I'm at an impasse with somebody who, are, who we're working with or I, you know, at a middle ground and I have to make a decision to either cut something off or continue. We're always in the position where we have to draw a line in the sand and figure out where we stand in a situation and where the other person stands and whether we want to continue working with them knowing where they stand or uh, walk the opposite direction. And... Yeah, yeah, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty like heavy Super dream for me. Mm. Yeah, that's so powerful. Again, the theme of boundaries comes up. That's so mm-hmm. just there comes a point, yeah, where if it's not matching up, like my needs aren't matching up with yours or you know, you cross my line, then it's kind of a good reminder that ultimately you can't control the other person either. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you you just know yourself and you continue and progress forward knowing that you're along the path that you're supposed to be. But if someone else or something else doesn't match up, then they're not. You can't make it yeah, work. Exactly. Yeah. You can't change them. You that's that is where they stand. They're on that side of the sand and you're not on that side with mm. them. That's deep. That's really deep, man. I know. That just made me lucid dreams. I know. I wish I don't think I've had lucid dreams, but I can teach you how. I know how. Drink juice. Drink juice. What kind of juice? No, they're they're, (laughs) any juice. Well, probably like with lemon in it would help. (laughs) But really, the only actual ingredient you need is sugar. So you gotta just have sugar before you go to sleep. (laughs) Also, one thing that works one hundred percent of the time: you wake up at like six o'clock in the morning, stay up for like twenty minutes, and then go back to sleep on your back. (laughs) It has to be on your back. Okay? Got it. You will have a lucid dream. Also, one thing that can help is just ask yourself all the time, like, while you're awake, am I dreaming? <laughs> Yo, is this a dream? And you really have to seriously ask yourself and, like, analyze. Because if, if you make a habit out of, do, out of doing that, you'll just do that in your dream naturally. And then you'll, and then you'll be like, release the Yo, I am dreaming this time. <laughs> and then next, no, you're in a dream. And the crazy thing about lucid dreams is that once you realize you're dreaming, that whole dream scene that your brain made will just stop. It's like you're on a set and everybody just stops. You kind of just walk around and do whatever dream thing you want to do. Wow. That, 
Okay, I gotta take these notes down. Sugar, lemon water. Asking <laughs> sleep on your back. Sleep on my back. Ask myself uh, if I'm dreaming in real life. Yeah, these are good. When you said that dreams are powerful, that made me think about one of the first dreams I remember as a kid is why I think I am allergic to cats. Whoa. Yes. Yeah, I had a dream. I swear, I think I was probably even in kindergarten, like super young, but I dreamt that there were just a whole bunch of cats in our backyard and they just followed me into the house and were like, what? yeah, they were following me into the house and then all of them ended up in like my parents' closet. And oh, no. that was all I could remember. And I was alone. I was alone. There was no one else in the house. And oh my God. it's such a... That's terrifying. Yeah, and then... <laughs> Now I'm allergic to cats, so I feel like... You weren't allergic until after the dream? I don't know. I feel like that could have been the case, yes. Because I remember in elementary school, yeah, I went over to like a friend's house and I didn't realize I was allergic to cats and she had a cat and I was allergic. So I just always think it was revealed to you. I feel like you could fix that with like hypnotism or something. (laughs) Mm, Because it was revealed to you in that dream. It might have just been there, but you weren't conscious of it and it was like revealed to you. Or your brain just made you allergic. You might not be allergic. It could just be like your brain stopping you. Like, yo. It's like triggered timelines. I know, yo. Give her eyes right now. I know. (laughs) We're not doing this. Like little SpongeBob's in her mouth. Yeah. (laughs) Like running around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So wild. Cue the rash. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's awesome to hear that you you find themes and reminders through dreams. And ultimately, we're in this present moment. You both are working towards more things in 2019. So where do you see yourself standing right now? Like what lessons keep coming up for you, especially in this new year? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that as long as we keep our energy up, stay focused, keep our goals in sight, Mm-hmm. to knock down then you know we can control the year you know mm-hmm. we always make we always make a list of to-dos every year of all of these like super lofty super lofty you know things to get done but every the year. year they end up not being lofty though that's mm-hmm. the crazy part mm-hmm. once you write it down and you really visualize it it'll happen and that's the crazy part about that yeah. like my whole thing is also not comparing, no comparisons this year. I, I find that that gets me into a lot of trouble trying to figure out where we fit uh, in like the grand scheme of like the music industry. Like, where will we go? Where will we? I don't care anymore. It's really gonna be this year about making that lofty, I put that in loose quotations, set of to dos come alive. Yeah. And the funny thing about that list is like, you know, of course, there's a bunch of things that we don't get knocked out. But at the end of the year, we look at the things that we didn't accomplish and realize, oh, if we did, you know, a couple of things, we could have got there. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we get much closer to that thing we didn't accomplish than we ever really thought of when we just wrote when we wrote it down. Every summer, we're like, this is our summer. And it's not our summer, but the next <laughs> summer, we're actually closer to, <laughs> to it right, being our summer. We're closer to the summer. <laughs> we're closer right. to the summer. So it's um, going to be a cruel summer. It's be a cool summer. Boy, <laughs> <but it couldn't. laughs> But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I think this year we don't really we don't really care what people think about our music. We just want to make the most the the, the, so real. the most interesting stuff to us. The, mm-hmm. the music that excites us. I think when you are here, we were really like chasing our heroes in terms of sonics, you know, the composition, the whole thing. We were like, I want this to sit beside my idol, and people be like, Yeah, you, you know, you deserve to be there. 
But now we just want to make stuff that we like. Mm-hmm. And something new and fresh. Something know? new and fresh. That's what I'm saying. No comparisons. Yeah. Like even if it's looking up to someone and wanting to stand beside them, who says you have to? Yeah, Why do you, know? you want to stand beside them? What happens if you're actually supposed to, they're passing you a baton to go further? Yeah. And you're over here trying to figure out how to stand beside how them. To get, yeah, how mm-hmm. to get next to them. You know, you, yeah. you want to be able to stand alone. So we're just doing our own thing and just getting better at our craft, whatever that means to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super awesome. And I, I, I'm also a firm believer that you should keep all your old drafts, all your old, you know, just everything that's been like a work in progress just to mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. that, oh, shit, this is like all the steps that have led me to this point. You know, I was in this state of mind at this point, mm-hmm. but somehow the road has led me here and... Yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. And also in staying in your own lane. That's yes. great. Mm-hmm. You both have shared great reminder of, even if you're not a musician, whatever you're working on, like whatever craft you're in or anything, like you don't have to compare yourself because ultimately everyone is different. Everyone's on their own journey. And right. it's all good. You just have to stay focused on yourself and, and your own self-growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, exactly. With that said, we're going to end on gratitude because gratitude is, is humbling and also it puts you back into the present. At least for me, there's I'm always chasing things or thinking about what's next and like worried and all this stuff. And actually like listing out gratitudes or like saying it in my head, it helps me stay present and remind me that there's been a lot of blessings in my life and I'm alive. So mm-hmm. with that said, what are both of you grateful for? I'm grateful for friendship. I'm grateful for you, Jane, for mm-hmm. being such a champion for us. And for James, who's definitely listening right now. Grateful for you and for all Shouts you've done. Shout out to other fields. Shout out to other fields, helping us figure out where we're going with all this. So we thank you. Super grateful for Matt Vista over here for being my voice of reason and putting me in my place when I need to, (laughs) and helping me find my place when I need to, and grateful for family. And I'm grateful for pain, because that has been like a recurring theme in my life. Unfortunately or fortunately, whichever way you want to think of it, it's also been like a driver for me, because it helps me to remember the positives, you know, like when I'm in a sticky situation feeling really low it forces me to remind myself of like the bright sides and 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 it reminds me to be grateful for the people who are there for me during those times yeah i'm pretty much same list as april i'm extremely grateful for like having such a supportive family and a safety net to allow me to Mm -hmm. pursue this i know a lot of people who like have the potential everyone has the potential to pursue what we're pursuing but they don't necessarily have the privilege to because, you know, they aren't, they don't have, you know, the safety net that we have. Mm-hmm. Hi, mom. Yeah. Shouts <laughs> to my mom's, shouts to my mom's basement. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, grateful for April. I'm always thinking about where I would be if I hadn't met April at Busboys that day. Uh, yeah. I had just graduated college and I wasn't sure what I was going to do at all. I was like, I don't even know if I can, if I'm going to keep making music. Really, that that gave me that gave me like a new purpose, you know. Aww. April and Vista really motivated me to you know continue on and go further. 
I'm grateful for you and James. You guys have been our biggest champions, believing in us when we don't believe in us a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, super grateful for James for stepping in when he did and mm-hmm. really like pushing us through and telling us we were tight at some performances when we weren't really that tight. <laughs> but, and also also keeping it real with us too and, and being that voice of reason. Mm-hmm. So, And do we already say friendship? And yeah, and our and our friends mm-hmm. for you know always being there. Super grateful for those friends who have nothing to do with the music because those are the people who you can like kind of like escape and just talk about absolutely nothing with, mm-hmm. and watch TV over their house and you know kind of take a you know a, a slight break and feel like a normal person for a moment, <laughs> right? Not have a you know what you working on conversation. <laughs> Even though we love our music friends, shout out music friends. <laughs> I'll shoot y'all what y'all working on text later. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that's that's it. our list of gratitude. That was so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so grateful for you both too. Honestly, like, Aww, you know, as someone who works behind the scenes, being able to support you both has been such a honor. I've learned so much about myself <laughs> just through connecting with you both and growing with you both, really. So thank you for dropping so many gems today. I think there's definitely something for anyone to pick up on. Uh, With that said, any last words? (laughs) (laughs) Progression. Fuck Trump. (laughs) Fuck Trump. I'm rolling up to the White House. Who's with me? We're changing this whole podcast. It's a political podcast now. (laughs) What are we going to do about the state of our economy? Who's with me? We're running up to the door. (laughs) It's going to be not progression. It's going to be progressive politics. (laughs) Let's go. I can't even afford progressive, man. (laughs) Thanks to Trump. (laughs) I got no car. All right, but Uh, on that note, it's a different podcast. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you both so much for the gems and the laughs today. (laughs) Thank you for having us. Of course. Do you all want to share any final words and let listeners know where we can find y'all? Yeah. Yeah. And as we said, we are April and Vista. You can find us on all streaming platforms. Uh, please check out You Are Here. It's our last project. If you want to talk to us, hit us on Twitter. Our handle is April and Vista all across the board, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, we also got some really cool merchandise. Finally. You know, hit the website, <laughs> aprilandvista.com to cop your very exclusive t-shirts. <laughs> exclusive? No, exclusive <laughs> t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You can find us getting the bag in 2019. Yeah. Well, thank you both for being part of the show, and I'll catch y'all soon. All right, bye. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode. Head to progression.fm for more information and to hear all episodes. You can also find me on Instagram at progression.fm and on Twitter at progression.fm. Stay in touch and take care.